Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Praise God. Thank you for coming to church. Yes, amen, amen. Welcome, everybody. Guys, I'm just so honored and privileged to be able to be here. It's such a great opportunity. Guys, thank you so much for coming, too. Because, guys, this is amazing. I just think about uh, the work week, and all I can think of is I cannot wait for Sunday to be with the family. Amen? You know, because we're a family here, and we get to be able to worship, you know, in spirit and truth, and just to be here together and be able to grow together. It's just, uh, guys, uh, I just every time, every Sunday morning, I'm like, yes, it's finally here. So, anyways, guys, we have a summer read coming up. So we have our Growing Up Spiritually. This is a book that's offered in the Source Center. It's by Kenneth Hagen. It's an amazing book. So if you're looking for a book to read this summer, you know, something to help continue to grow in the summer. Because I know uh, some people are going to be going on vacations. Uh, there's things that come up. Guys, this is an amazing, amazing book to have. Uh, and it's actually offered free with every purchase in the Source Center. So, uh, so come and get it. Again, any purchase in the Source Center, you get a free book. Amen. Um, also, this Tuesday night, we have prayer. This is a great opportunity to be able to, you know, you sow, sow in prayer and you reap in answers. Amen? So it's a great opportunity to be able to be here, uh, corporate prayer with each other. Um, I mean, this is where the walls come down. So, guys, this is an amazing time to be able to be with each other uh, and to be able to pray and, to, again, to sow in prayer, guys. I cannot wait. That's this Tuesday. Doors open at 6, starts at 6.30. Um, also, Wednesday, we have Women's Workout Wednesday. Um, of course, I'm not a part of this, but my wife is. She's leading it. So it's a great time to be able to come and burn calories for Jesus. If you're looking for calories to be able to be burned, uh, it's a great opportunity. Um, uh, Christy and Lexi lead it. It's a great time. Um, I, at least that's what I hear. Um, then, of course, at night we have, um, afterwards, we've got martial arts with the men. Dr. Jack teaches the Gracie Combative. So if you're looking at self-defense uh, techniques, this is a great opportunity to be able to come and learn and, again, to be with each other. You know, we here at Life Family Church, we have a lot of opportunities for fellowship, and this is one of the, you know, uh, more aggressive ways of fellowship. Amen? <laughs> also, too, um, uh, we've got uh, our email connections. So, guys, if you are not familiar, um, if you haven't given us your email, do that because that way we receive email connections each week. Um, also, too, if you have any questions about uh, the church, our website, lifefamilychurch.net, is a great opportunity to be able to learn what's coming up here at Life Family Church because we definitely do not slow down here. We're doing a lot of things for the kingdom of God, and it's an honor and privilege to be able to do so. So if you have any questions about that, again, lifefamilychurch.net. Of course, check your email connections for it and our Facebook page. Page. Amen? Amen? All right. Thank you, guys. Good morning. A couple weeks ago, I've been uh, taking some time because I have such an amazing staff and group of interns here. allows me to do a few things uh, outside here. I've been taking some time with one of my um, our board members who was a pastor of ours when we were teenagers. Amazing how they still are in our lives, tolerate us, <laughs> took a village to raise us, amen? And uh, so uh, we were beginning to study and discuss John 3.16. So I thought for this morning's offering message that you would like to also have some revelation on that. 
When was the last time we heard anything about that other than it just, hey, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. And if you're saved, you probably don't meditate on it. And it's not often actually used in a soul-winning format. It's, you know, we kind of have the script. Hey, if you died tonight, you know for sure uh, you go to heaven. And then you might proceed to John 3.16 or the Romans Road, which I found out a lot of people don't know what that is. You guys know what the Romans Road is? Okay. It's the road in Romans to salvation. (laughs) Okay. So um, I thought we'd look at that. Um, so go t- in your weapons manual to John 3.16. You know, when Pastor was mentioning the days of Noah, lately talking to us about um, what struck me as the most profound thing about God saying, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man comes. And although it's true that there was great wickedness, and there is, and there was great violence, and there certainly is, what struck me the most about that passage is that Noah was preaching righteousness, and no one was listening. So we're going to preach righteousness even if no one listens, right? And um, notice that there were eight people in the ark. So uh, everything in the Old Testament is a type and shadow or an example uh, of something that is going to come spiritually. The parable of the sower, uh, 75% of people produce nothing. 25% of humans produce something. But of the 25%, a percentage produces 30, a percentage produces 60, but a hundredfold producers, Jesus said it's eight out of every hundred that, that, would, put, that would create the soul in their heart to be able to receive 100% of the fruit of the word and manifest it back in fruit. Um, but the good news is that we're in charge of the soul. If the soul's broke, run down to Lowe's and, and mend it, you know, get a bag of whatever you need. <laughs> or come into church on a Sunday morning and, and the word going forth will remedy the soil to make it a better producer. But uh, there were there were 8% of people who produce 100, and it's interesting to me that eight people, again, were 100 full producers in the Old Testament. So although you're going to preach righteousness to people, um, here's what Satan will trip you up in. This is my point to this. God does not measure results the same way you do with anything in life. So if we're soul winning or we're speaking with our lives, uh, we're setting examples to all those around us, coworkers, friends, family, maybe we're actually opening our mouth and soul winning, uh, stop being surprised that you're not seeing the results you'd like. Because you're living in the era where you're going to preach righteousness with your mouth and your life, and many are going to ignore you. Noah was not giving a weather forecast. <laughs> hey, it's going to rain. It, it was not the weather channel. Um, and so when the Lord was saying that about the last days, he was not forecasting the weather. Hey, you need a boat. You need shelter because it rain's coming. In other words, rain's coming. The day's coming when no man can work. So you're going to have to preach until your last moment, and then you're going to be lifted up. The ark is a type of the rapture was lifted up above the circumstances. So it's okay uh, if no one's, you feel like no one's listening or no one's responding because you're not going to get better results than Jesus did. And so do we, do we keep preaching as, it, as it's starting to rain, as it starts to torrent, you know, as the door's closing? You're gonna, your last breath, you want to preach the gospel so that as many, Jesus said, whosoever will. And so we don't want to focus on the fact that it's getting wickeder. It obviously isn't more violent. We want to focus on the fact that um, preach and preach all the more. But don't be sidetracked or discouraged uh, or distracted by uh, what you might perceive as lack of results. Do it anyway because God doesn't measure your results. He measures your obedience.
Yeah, he's in charge of the results. We're in charge of the obedience, amen? Okay, so now that you found it, in your Bible, John three sixteen, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So, you know, I'm going to give it to you in the Greek. So anytime, uh, notice though, people will say, I don't read the King James anymore because King James has a language I don't understand. King James does not have a language you, you, uh, it's hard to understand. King James is written in what's called prose, P-R-O-S-E. It has a musical, lyrical way to it that your mind will, will remember more than any other paraphrase. So if you want to memorize scripture, get in your heart, always use the King James. What throws people off is they'll say, well, there's the those and the that's and the this is and the force. I always teach this in my LCU classes, pay attention to the this and the that and the then, because therein lies the revelation. So it starts the verse with the word for, in American English vernacular, we want to carve it out like it's irrelevant. But for means I'm getting ready to tell you the cause, for this cause, because, for this reason. So that, that word for means that we're to stand at attention. I'm getting ready to tell you the reason that, I'm, that I did what was in the verse. Anybody notice that verse 15 repeats this verbatim? Back up to verse 15. What does it say? In order that everyone who believes in him would have eternal life. So God had already made the statement that if you believe in Jesus, you have eternal life. But, but sometimes we forget. We think it happened for the first time in verse 16. It's repeating verbatim. But now in verse 16, he's simply adding the reason. So for means because or assigning a reason. For God so, the word so means in this way. That means there are different ways in which we can do things. There are different kinds of love, amen? There's friendship love, which is phileo. There's agape love, which is the God kind of love. There is uh, eros, which is sexual love. So there's different kinds. So God's saying, I'm going to tell you that in this way. In other words, there's a specific way that I want you to understand that I'm doing it. Don't interpret it with your definition of love, which in this country sometimes is hallmark and a box of chocolates, right? Okay, for God in this way loved, and uh, notice that we think, okay, love has an ED on it. Anybody remember from English class that that sounds like it's past tense? Well, this was a one-time thing. This happened 2,000 years ago, but the word loved is actually an adjective which describes something, and the word agape is the God kind of love. That means God loves in a way that you don't as a human. And so, but agapeo is the uh, Greek tense of that word agape and its present tense. It's not ed. It's uh, for God so loved present tense. So God is not in time. So he has no past, present, and future, right? So that means he's doing it now. He was doing it yesterday, he's doing it now, and he's doing it tomorrow. So for God so loved the world, it wasn't a past event, a one-time thing. It's every human that's born every minute. He's still so loving that those humans. And he says the world, it actually translates in the Greek, male and female. That's why you can't have androgynous genders, even if you try. You can't do it because God said, I loved male and female. So he separates them permanently because he said so. So he loves male and female. The world was not the earth. It was, it was the people on it. So uh, agapeo is a verb. It's an action. That means when God says he loves, he is loving, loving. It's never ending, right on into eternity because he is not limited to time. So he loved the world, or males and females, that, the word that means for the purpose of this, he gave. 
And so the word gave sounds past tense too, but in the Greek it translates give. That he would give Jesus his only son, his only born son, the only son he has, the only son he was ever going to have. He loved you all so much that he was going to give that. So the first thing we learn is if God was going to give his best, his most, and his all, shouldn't we give that way to him? So because Jesus, God, came into our heart, you cannot love yourself or God or other people without having the love of God on the inside of you. So I don't know about you, but I don't feel very loving to myself, others, and even sometimes God at times. We like to tell ourselves we love God, but every time I want to choose me or my flesh or my comfortability over God, I know that I don't love him perfectly. But I have the ability to, and you do too, right? Because love itself is a hymn. Agape on the inside of me is supernatural. That means I can dip down in there and go, I can step on over my feelings. I can step on over this circumstance of what this person just said to me on how those words or actions made me feel. I can step on over, draw down an agape love and say, Jesus, (laughs) only you. Yeah. And so uh, we can say back to God, God, I am capable by your grace, which means his ability on the inside of me of giving back to you the same way you give to me. So what is my all? What is my best? What is my most? And so this is an offering message when we approach God. If we're still arguing with ourselves or with each other on whether we should give God 10%, remove yourself from the argument and give him a hundred, because that's what he gave you. And so let's not do fractions or denominations in the the thing you're not in the Old Testament, because they had to do 33%, because 10% wasn't enough. But God was hoping it would be enough for us with our perfected hearts, with the agape love on the inside of them. They had to be required to give 33%, because they didn't have that agape love. So those that have the love of God are natural givers, and God didn't think he needed to, by force, by law, do what he wanted by heart for us to do, because he put his heart nature on the inside of us, and he was just hoping that we might reciprocate that back to him. Amen. And it would be reflected in our actions the way it was reflected in his. So for this purpose, uh, whosoever, any person, all people everywhere in the whole earth that believeth in him, that means, uh, and here's what's interesting too about uh, we're studying the word believeth. Uh, Most people in this country and around the world would say, I believe in God or I believe Jesus is the son of God, and I believe in these things. But belief in American English vernacular is mental assent. I believe in gravity. But do I need every day to go out and test it by jumping off the roof of this building? Just check and see if it's still working. My belief system's still working. Yeah, you're going to get one shot at that, one shot only to prove, and you will prove that gravity is still intact, and that, uh, but you are not anymore. (laughs) So it'll be for our learning and not for yours. And so uh, the belief that Jesus is talking about in the Greek, it says, those who believe in means this, you trusted in him and you committed yourself wholly to him. Now that's a little bit different than just saying, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus. To trust my whole life into his hands, to make better choices than than, uh, I can about my life and to commit myself wholly, not in part. Jesus defines that as belief in him. So the way Jesus defines belief in him has to be our definition. We can't go to God and go, God, I believe in you. And he's like, 
Your lips are with me, but your heart is far from me. So he measures actions, not words, and and the fruit of our life. And so uh, if we are believing in him, we're doing it that way. The uh, faith in, trust in, and that you take and place yourself into him. It says in this way in the Greek that you place yourself into him. There are place and time that you place yourself wholly into him, and you must continue in that place. You are capable of stepping out of that place and, and saying, I don't want my get-out-of-jail-free card. I don't believe anymore. You can, you can reject salvation if you want to. took faith to, to have it. You can say, I don't want it. Because once you have it, it, your free will did not go away. God's not going to force you to keep something that you want to say, I want the get-out-of-jail-free card at the end because I don't want to burn in hell. But between A and Z, I'm going to do what I want. Jesus is like, no deal. Love you, but no deal. <laughs> It's not let's make a deal. So you had to place yourself into, but you had the ability because of the agape love on the inside of you. And it says to place yourself in. That word in means a backward wind. And this you're going to love. And I thought, what, what does that mean? It says a baffling backward in, wind in the Greek, and that sounded wrong. And I'd meditated on that for almost two years. So he finally gave me an answer this week. You want to know what it is? <laughs> and so he said... Um, When I breathed on Adam, I exhaled, and Adam had to inhale. And he said, when I breathed on the disciples, they had to inhale. The wind just went backwards up my nose. When you breathe him in, that's a baffling backward wind because it doesn't make sense to your mind, and you had to inhale to get him in. He only exhales, but you have to inhale. That means he's in there. But you had to keep that abiding in there. And so when God loved the world in this way, he made it possible for you to live this way, to remain, to hold on to eternal life and not lose it, and that you could give back to him, whether it was a tithe, an offering, or your life, in the same way he gave to you, because that power is now resident on the inside of you. Amen? Okay, let's get ready for our offering. All right, ready to give? Say yay. All right, lift your offering toward heaven if you would. Father, we thank you for the gift and the giver, and as we plant seed into the gospel, because you so loved us first that you gave your son, so therefore we return because of covenant. We love you and bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Ushers, if you'll serve the people. Hallelujah. Okay, open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Psalms 68 and verse 4. We're going to talk about the principles of the power of praise. Principles of the power of praise. Psalms 68, verse 4. Hallelujah. 
Psalm 68, 4 says this, Sing unto God, sing praises to his name, extol him that rideth upon the heavens by his name, Jaha, or the Lord, and rejoice before him. The word praise in the Webster's Dictionary means this. It's the expression of gratitude. Gratitude, an emotion of the heart, excited by favor and or benefit received. For personal favors conferred, a glorifying or an extolling, to extol in words or song, to magnify, to glorify on account of perfections or excellent work. The word extol means to raise in words, to praise, to exalt in manifestation, to magnify. Now, does this look like praise to you? Okay, so he says praise is an action word. It's a manifestation of gratitude. So today we are going to learn the reasons why we sing in church. We're going to learn the reasons why we lift our hands in church. We are going to learn the reason why we clap in church. I know it's just fundamental, but we're going to learn, and then we're going to practice it so that we know exactly how to worship, how to praise, and how to raise our hands. And the reason why we do it. Thank you so much. I just want to, I'll just preach to both of you guys. Amen. When we come to church, we clap our hands with the music because the Bible says to clap our hands. We lift our hands because it's a form of surrender to God. I know this is elementary, but my God, I guess if everybody did it, then the pastor wouldn't have to preach on it. Praise God. Amen. Because there is a reason why we're doing it. Hello. And please don't give me an excuse. I'm just too tired. Well, me too. Praise God. Amen. So I, I don't want to ever hear an excuse. I'm just too tired, Pastor, to clap. My arms are so heavy because I've lifted them up all week long and I just can't do it Sunday morning. It's just impossible. You know, I just, you know. When you have a heart of gratitude and you're thankful to the Lord, you're going to lift your hands. When you have a heart of gratitude and you're thankful to the Lord, you're going to extol him. The Bible says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That's how you get out of heaviness. That's how you get out of depression. That's how you get out of the oppression. You got to sometimes put, if you're going to put it on, put, it, put the garment of praise on. Hello, somebody. Amen. It's okay to say, hallelujah. Can, we, can everybody try? Can somebody say, hallelujah? <laughs> okay, it's okay. Can somebody say, amen? How about, amen, pastor? Okay, good, good. You're learning. You're learning the, the fundamentals of praise right now. Thank God Almighty. Because, you know, from now on after this sermon, because I'm sure you're going to remember it, because I will remind you, praise God, amen, on every Sunday, no matter how you feel, no matter what it looks like, no matter what the circumstances you're facing, who ain't? 
I'm sorry, who isn't? Praise God, amen. It depends. If you're from Plant City, it's who ain't. Praise God, if you're from Chicago, who isn't? Praise God, it depends on what part of the country you're part of. Come on, hello somebody. Amen. If you, listen, the old timers would say this. You can either praise the power down, you can prayer, pray the power down, or you can praise the power down. What is it? Preach, I'm sorry. Preach, praise, prayer. Yeah, the power down. But if you don't do anything, for God so loved the world. Well, how do you, how, how do you know you love me? I gave my life for you. Praise God. Amen. So he proceeded with an action. People aren't what they say. They are what they do. It's what they do and not what they say. So praise is a very powerful tool. That's the reason why Satan is so against it. It's a powerful tool. Psalms 150, 1 through 6 says this, Praise ye the Lord. So if we know that it's an expression of gratitude, and the Lord says, praise him, then you have to give forth an expression of gratitude, which is a manifestation. The manifestation is in what you do. If I walk out my door on Sunday morning, and I lift my hands, and I look at the stars, and look at the moon, and I say, Father, I'm thankful... And I praise you because we enter his gates with and through his courts with. Praise. There you go. So that's interest to the throne. So I walk out my front door and the first thing I say to him is, Father, I just praise you. Lord, I just thank you. And that gives me interest. He is a king. Amen. Come on. He is royalty. And I think sometimes in a democracy, we tend to forget that the kingdom of God is not a, theoc- I mean a, a, a democracy. It's a theocracy. And we, we tend to forget that. We don't, we don't understand that. So therefore, you have to operate, operate by theocracy rules. You think the queen and the king of England aren't honored? Oh, my gosh. Are they honored? So honored. Listen, when, well, how, many, how many billions of people or, I don't know, two billion people watched the wedding of Prince whatever? I don't even know who's over there now. I, Prince Harry, yeah, two billion people are on the planet or something like that on television, national television, and the entire country, and all that kind of stuff. Don't tell this, and you belong to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hello, you are ambassadors. Please don't allow Satan to think that everything is really bad in your life. Come on now, at least you're not sleeping on a dirt floor. Hello, come on, somebody, and believe in God for your next meal, like most of the world's. Most of the world is. It's about perspective. Worship is a very powerful tool. I mean, I told you the story, you know. Have you ever been mad at God? Anybody besides me ever been mad at God? Yeah, I've been mad at God, okay. I went to church one day. I was really mad at God. Like, really, he caused the problem in my own life, right? I'm mad at the one who wants to bless me. Come on, I'm mad at the one who gave his life for me. I'm the one, I'm mad at the one, right? I really should have been either mad at myself or mad at the devil, right? So, I, I, you know, like human nature, we, you, God's in control. No, he's not. He's not in control. Ooh, that went over really well. I didn't get one amen on that. He's not in control. God's not in control. Then why are the million babies are aborted every year if he was totally in control? Really? No, 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 no. He can't control you. He can't control me. Did you know that? Because he'll never override my free will. 
Hello? It's, it's man's free will. So I, I'm, I'm mad at the one because maybe I got myself into trouble or maybe the enemy tricked me up. And No, no, no. So, but I was still mad at God. That's kind of human nature. So I'm in, a, I'm in a, a church service. And man, the praise and worship is going and I'm standing there like this. I'm not praising. I'm not doing nothing. Just, just gracing the sanctuary with my presence was the only thing that I could do at the moment. At least I'm standing here. Right? And then all of a sudden, you know, she leans over my ear and she said, you can do better than that. And then all of a sudden I just got one foot. That's all I had. I was one, one foot, just like, just like that. Just, just got that. I just got that going right there. But it starts a chain reaction. And then you break it out. Because whatever was on, you just got off. God, what did you do? I put it on. Hello, somebody. Put on that garment of praise with a spirit of heaviness. Amen. Yeah. So praise is a very powerful tool. Psalms 150 verses 1 through 6 says this, Praise ye the Lord, praise Him in His sanctuary, praise Him in the firmament of His power, praise Him for His mighty acts, praise Him according to His excellent greatness, praise Him with the sound of the trumpet, praise Him with the psaltery and the harp, praise Him with the timbrel and the dance, praise Him with stringed instruments and organs, praise Him upon the loud sounding cymbals, praise Him upon the high sounding cymbals, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord, praise ye the Lord. I mean, can it get any plainer than that? Can't get any plainer than that. Praise is that external sacrifice which by influencing your will makes us to proceed to action. His praise will always invoke a response. It will either be negative or it will be positive, but it will always invoke a response. I mean, how many services have we been in when it's happening and people are praising and they're really getting into praise, but then there's somebody just standing there like this or standing here like this with their knuckles white on the front seat and they're just looking around. What have I gotten myself into? Come on, hello, somebody. How we praise in the sanctuary is how much time we're spending with God alone during the week. How we're praising in our cars on our way to work. I hope you praise the Lord in your car on the way to work. I hope you're not listening to secular music and you're listening to the news. I hope that you have praise and worship music playing and you're praying in tongues. I'm discovering that people aren't doing that. They're not doing that from getting up in the morning to going to work. How anybody drives in traffic on I-4 and 275. OMG. There are maniacs on the road. Literally maniacs. You could tell tell the ones who cause accidents. How do you know? Yep. 
Let me squeeze my little Maserati in between these two cars that are only like, like five feet apart. They're the ones that are causing the accidents. You know, everybody, most, I'll be honest, most people are driving the speed limit. They're, they're doing right. They're doing, and there's always one or two or five who've got serious lead foots. Cut somebody off in traffic, and suddenly they swerve, try to self-correct, and they're doing 360s over end, over end, and, and they just keep on going, oh, well, you should have been driving lessons. Praise God. And they leave you. I had my character and integrity tested this week. More than once. I didn't cuss. I didn't call nobody an idiot. I really wanted to. I wanted to. I really did. And not only that, I got into a little fender bender. But it wasn't, it wasn't on the interstate. It was at a convenience store. Yeah, so let me tell you how I got my character really tested this week. Praise God. Because I just got done preaching on character and integrity last Sunday, did I not? Hello? Well, you know what? I got tested. So here, here's the deal. So I got off you know, from the shift, from the post, and there's a convenience store on the other side. It's a Circle K. So I thought, you know, I'm just going to go in there and yeah, I just got off. It's great. I need me a Starbucks energy drink kind of thing, you know, and I'm just going to go in there and grab it and make my way back home an hour both ways. Praise God. Amen. So I pulled my truck in right next to the handicap space, and I didn't pull forward. I pulled backwards, right? And so the truck's kind of big, all right? So I walked out into the, you know, got in the truck and everything, cranked it up, and the, the gas pumps to the sidewalk of the entrance of the convenience store seemingly was close. It looked like a little really close, okay? So when I went and got in the truck, I went to pour forward, and if I would have pulled forward enough, I, I couldn't make the turn. So I kind of cut a little bit because there was a, a truck in front, and I cut a cut, and I hear this, and I was like, what the heck was that? So I looked in the passenger mirror, and here's this little two-seater <sighs> Mazda, low-to-the-ground Pee-wee Herman car. And when I got to sit in the truck, I couldn't see the car. It was so low to the ground. And so when I cut to the right... The back rear wheel, the rim, caught the left front corner panel of this car because he backed up too. And I put a huge dent in this guy's car. Oh, my gosh. I put a huge dent in his car. Busted out the tail, the, the headlight on the left side and, and everything. And then, and then I was like, and I pulled back, and I went and go look at my truck, and I'm like, I don't see no dent. How? How in the world did I? And then I thought, was it already that way? And I just maybe clipped it a little bit. And so I thought, oh, my gosh. So I decided to go into the convenience store to find if I could find out if there was a short guy that went with a short car. Praise God. Amen. 
Because <laughs> there had to have been a short guy. He couldn't have been like six foot seven to sit in that little tiny car. I mean, my God, it was like a go-kart or something like that. I mean, how could that be legal on the road? This little short Mazda thing. Couldn't find the guy. Couldn't find him. And I thought, you know what? And then, then Satan comes. Well, you don't really know if you did that or not or anything because you didn't see any damage on your truck. And there is no, I mean, just a little bit of a dent on my back. But it was the, it was the rim that, that did the damage. And that car was so low that the rim did the damage. I mean, I almost rolled over it. <laughs> I'm serious. And, and then the thought came, well, nobody will know. And you're like, you really need this because you really had a really rough day today. You know, like just like you, all those thoughts that into your head. Like, and then it's like, oh, my gosh. And then I got to get the insurance company involved. And, I'll get, and then they're going to go up on my rates and I already pay enough insurance. And don't even look at me like that. You get the same thoughts, the same thoughts into your brain. And I thought, well, okay, I'm just going to sit in the truck till the guy comes. They, they, none of the employees, nothing. And I said, I'm certainly going to put a no-nose car. So I'm going to sit here. So I sat there for about 20 minutes. And all of a sudden, the guy showed up. So I hopped out of the truck, had all my insurance information. I said, I'm so sorry. I said, I'm not sure if I did that. And he said, well, it certainly wasn't like that when I parked my car. I said, well, I'm, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me and stuff like that. I said, here's my insurance information. I said, call them. We're fully insured and all that kind of stuff. And I took a picture, and I got his name and number. He seemed to be really in a hurry. Like, he didn't give me his insurance information. I mean, he was like, I'm I'm getting out of here kind of thing. So I was like, okay. So I went ahead and called my insurance company, told them that I got into this small little accident, and they did a claim number. And then I went ahead and called him. And I said, here's, he was like, who are you? Who are you? I said, yeah, I could have drove it off. He said, yeah, you could have, but thank you so much for not driving off. I didn't drive off. Well, and that's awfully quiet in here. And the most amazing thing, I preach a sermon on character and integrity, and then I just got tested with character and integrity. Guess what happened? Ha! I passed the test! And I called her up and apologized to her. I'm so sorry. But there's no damage to my truck. I mean, just like a little tiny dent. You take a rubble mallet and just beak. And maybe, and there was a little, I saw it earlier, there was a little blue uh, of his car on, on the, the rear. And I thought, wow, that was a test right there. Hello. Come on, somebody. Amen. So are you praising during the day? Are you praising? I actually praise the Lord that there was, I wasn't on the main road or anything like that, and a major accident happened. Pled the blood of Jesus and everything. But you know what? I kept my integrity and I kept my character. Hello? And then it, I think he was kind of blown away that I was so forthcoming. Come on, hello somebody. Amen. I have to live the same gospel I preach. Can you say amen? In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33, verse 11, it says this. There's the voice of joy. See, here, here's the scripture right there for the joy of the Lord being a manifestation. How many of you heard me say this? Joy has a voice. Have you ever heard it say that, right? What's the, what's the voice of joy? Laughter. Watch it. The voice of joy, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, and the voice of the bride. The voice of them that shall say, Praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good. His mercy endures forever of them that shall bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. 
So what, what does that mean? That means when you come to church, when you come into the house of the Lord, bring the sacrifice of praise. What does that look like? There is action behind your praise. And it, the root of it is grateful to the Lord God Almighty that you're not at least in jail. Come on, hello, somebody. You're not being sued. You're being protected. And actually, he goes as far to say, if it's got to be a sacrifice to you, do it. Because when you don't feel like it, that's when it becomes a sacrifice. Submission only applies when you don't want to. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm all good. Everything good. Everything, everything good. Okay, well, you need to do this and this. this. <laughs> Who do you think you are telling me what to know? The Bible talks about submitting to one another in love. It talks about wives submitting to husbands. It talks about husbands and wives submit to one another. It talks about submitting to spiritual authority. It talks about submitting to the authorities and the powers that are and the laws that we have on the earth through the government officials. Submission is not a dirty word. Come on, hello, somebody. Wow. Jesus himself had to submit to his father. He was a son. He has a daddy. In Matthew chapter 25, the Bible says that Jesus went to his father how many times? Three times. And he said, what, to the Lord? Is there any other way we can do this? But not my will, yours be done. He did it three times. That means the first time he's like, okay, not my will, your will. He went back to praying, and he's like, uh, let me go try this one more time. Praise God. Uh, Daddy, can we, um, can we change this up somehow, some way? No. Oh, why? He didn't go, Why? Why? You just mean. You just a mean daddy. You don't even go. What? I don't want to do this. Jesus didn't do that. What did he say? Not my will, yours. Be done. So he went back to praying. He's like, let me go try this one more time. I mean, at least he was being persistent. I don't think there's anything wrong in being persistent. Hello. So he comes back a third time. I mean, at least three times we could ask our authority. Can I do this, Daddy? Can I do this? No. Okay. Can we do this, Daddy? Can we do this? No. Can we do this, Daddy? Can we? No. Okay. Not my will. Yours be done. That's hard. That's hard to swallow for Americans. It's hard to swallow for Christians. Amen, Pastor. You're preaching really good today. That's really a good word. Hallelujah. Amen. I just think I'll praise the Lord because I feel like it. I need to give a sacrifice right now. The sacrifice of praise. If we cannot be obedient to the will of the Lord for our lives, which is actually the Bible, then we cannot expect God to move in our lives because we're in rebellion. That came straight from heaven. If we're in rebellion, come on, somebody, and then go to Daddy God, oh, I'm having a hard time financially. I'm having a hard time. 
Are you tithing? No, no. But daddy, 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 we're under grace. We're under grace. We're under grace. Yeah, but if you'd love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I too will love you, and I will then come and manifest myself to you because you say you love me. If you love me, you keep my commandments. We don't have to question, does God love us? That is not a question. It's the question should be, how much do I love God? Do I love God with all my heart? I can testify to every one of you in here today on a Sunday morning, and you came to church, you love God. Because it's tough out there. I'm not kidding. It's really tough. People are, they're not in their right minds. They're, they're, they're losing it. This is the only thing. This Bible right here is going to keep you sane. Right here. These words right here will keep you sane. Will keep you right in the middle of the ground. Right here. That's what this is. Did, did you read your Bible this week? I did. Because I, I showed up 30 minutes early. And sat in the parking lot. And read my Bible. Waiting for the associates to come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, I showed up 45 minutes early than I should have. And sat in the parking lot and read my Bible and prayed in the Holy Ghost and took my dog to go to the restroom at least three times. Praise God. Amen. Before we went into the bank. We, we don't ever tell you to do something that we're not doing. I think that's unjust. Do as I say, don't do as I do. That's unjust. Amen. I finally got the verse. I finally got this verse out of, out of the book of John, chapter 5, where Jesus met the woman at the well. And when he met the woman at the well, and then she ran in, and she started telling, you know, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. And then all of a sudden, the disciples came back because they had lunch in the basket. And all of a sudden, the disciples said, here, Lord, have something. And Jesus said this, I have food of which you do not know of. I finally went, I finally, after all these years, I finally, I'm thinking, I have food that you know not of. I have food to eat you know not of. And then all of a sudden, the disciples are like, well, did somebody give him something to eat? And I finally, I finally realized what that was. When you look at that word food, isn't it amazing when you start digging into the Word of God? That word food actually translates as nutrients. And then it also translates the kingdom of heaven. So in other words, to God Almighty, watch this, the miracle in which He performed and he operated in the kingdom was a meal to him. And that's what he was trying to tell those disciples. And they didn't get it. They were thinking physical food. Jesus is talking spiritual. I just had a meal, boys. It was the most wonderful meal. I just fed the kingdom of God to someone. And that is satisfying enough. Oh, woo! Glory to God Almighty. Yeah. Amen. Isn't that interesting? A meal to God is performing a miracle. Getting somebody set free. The book of Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5, it says this, By Him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Watch this. Continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. So watch this. We can give the fruit of our lips to negativity, to criticism, to anger, words of anger, 
Or we can give the fruit of our lips to praise continuously. There's powerful. That's the reason why God is saying to do this, because it will bring you a breakthrough. We hear breakthrough all the time. I hear God, God's about to bring you out, to bring you in. God's about to give you a breakthrough. Okay, well, it's just not automatic. Come on, hello. You have to put practical application. If you need a breakthrough in something, praise your way through. Worship your way through. And you have to do this in your own personal time. If you're raising your hands in your car, you're going to raise your hands in church. If you're shouting in your car, you're going to shout in church. If you're saying amen, you're going to say amen in church. Why? Because that's the proof right there. It's what, you're doing, it's what you're doing during the week that actually will bring you the victory. And you have to do it long enough until you get the victory. Amen. That's the reason why he said do it continuously. Praise includes many things. Watch this. There are words of adoration, songs of exaltation, shouts of praise, praise in the dance. There's thanksgiving. Acts of service is actually a form of worship. Acts of service. So when you serve on the ministry of help team, you are actually doing a form of worship. Not only that, when you're on the ministry of helps team, you have gone from a regular congregation member to actually a deacon in the church. You've entered into deaconship. In other words, you actually entered into leadership because you've qualified with your life. Well, what do you mean I have to qualify for the ministry of service? Acts chapter 6 gives us the qualification for actually serving in the church. Come on, hello somebody, amen. God told the disciples and said, hey, listen, they all met together and they said this, choose you out seven men full of the word, full of the Holy Ghost that have been faithful to take in charge over this ministry of service. So they've qualified. Their lives are exemplary to not only a congregation, but also to a community. And that's done by faithfulness. Faithfulness. And there's a reward that comes with faithfulness. We endeavor here at Life Family Church, Jack Myers Ministries, Jack Myers Ministries Missions, and Life Christian University to follow the book of Acts. We endeavor to do that with all of our hearts. I believe that the blueprint for the church is the book of Acts. Come on, hello, somebody. That's the reason why we are organized. What you may not know, or you may know, is that because we traveled for so many years, we were able to go to a lot of churches in the United States and churches overseas. We were able to see what they did that was excellent, and we took all of that and we implemented it here. But people are not used to it. They're not used to organization. They're not used to protocol. They're not used to... Come on, hello, especially in church. I mean, how many churches have we been a part of where they're going to do an event on Saturday morning, right? And everybody comes and nobody knows what to do. What are we doing? Who's in charge here? I don't know. I think Billy Bob's over there. Billy Bob. Billy and Bob? No, Billy Bob's over there. Praise God. Amen. He's in charge. She's in charge over there. Susan. See Sue. I don't know. And then all of a sudden it's 30 minutes before anybody ever decides who's supposed to be doing what. Come on, hello, somebody. That's chaos. Hello, the kingdom of God is not chaos. The kingdom of hell is total chaos. 
And people don't understand. They don't understand the protocol. They don't understand spiritual authority. They don't understand. They don't understand those things. Come on, hello. In the body of Christ. People will be so shocked when they get to heaven of the protocol. God has such protocol. He told Moses, when you make the tent a meeting, you need to make it like this. It's got to be so many far apart. It's got to be so many dimensions. The cloth has to be interwoven with all these colors. It has to be this dimension, that dimension. And don't deviate from it, Moses. He was very specific when they built Solomon's temple. The ark with so many dimensions, and it had to be made with a certain kind of wood, and it had to be overlaid with gold, and it had to be, oh, come on, hello, somebody. God is a God of order. He is not chaotic. Solomon gives us kind of an example of what the kingdom of heaven is like, so much so that when Bathsheba came to see him, her first words were, the reputation that I've heard you about has far exceeded my expectations. I am awed by you, king. And so in the body of Christ, we don't understand that. Now let me tell you, these, there's two kinds of churches in these last days, and they're come, becoming very prevalent. You can see them. There is a finer line being drawn right down the middle. On one side, you will have casual, just come as you are. There'll be no conviction of sin. There'll be no pre- hardly preaching of the word. There'll be great orating. People don't even bring their Bibles. They don't even bring their Bibles to church. A lot of times, a pastor will not even bring his Bible. He'll come in with his iPad. And he'll preach off the iPad. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but the fact of the matter is, for me, that's between them and Jesus. I'm just telling you what I see coming to pass in these last days. All they do is put Scripture up on the screens. They're wearing holy jeans. They're wearing flannel shirt. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't understand that. I don't understand that. And it's not because we went to Ramah. No, I figured this. I'm an ambassador for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I represent heaven. Come on, hello somebody. I represent heaven. I've got to stand before presidents of nations, governors, and mayors. I am not going to go to the governor's house with holy jeans and a flannel shirt. I'm not going to go to the White House in Honduras to meet President Lobo Sosa with flip-flops, jean shorts, and a Hawaiian t-shirt. I'm not going to do that. No. If I was invited to the White House for President Trump, I would go buy me, I got several suits, but I would go buy me a brand new one, if not a tux to go meet President Trump and his wife. Would you? Come on, hello, somebody. Yeah, you, you would pick whatever the best you had. Isn't that right? And then they come pick you up in a limousine. And there'll be CIA agents around you. And they'll take you out to the Air Force One. Hello. I would rather ride in his plane personally than Air Force One. Praise God, it's probably much nicer. Right? 
And then they would fly you to Washington. And then you'd be picked up by an entourage, CIA. You'd be driving in the nicest Lincoln, sitting in the back. Come on, hello, somebody. They would walk you into the White House. You would be very careful what you said out of your mouth. Come on, hello, somebody. Amen. You would be on your bestest behavior, your utmost behavior. Come on, talk to me, somebody. You would. I'm just telling you how I'd live. I mean, I don't know how you live. I'm just telling you how I live. I represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the master on high, the one that reigns and rules, kings and kings of kings. I know that's kind of different thinking in our society, but there are those ministers that do believe that. Praise God. Amen. I don't think Kenneth Copeland is having any problem. I don't think Keith Moore is having any problem wearing a suit. I don't think, hello, I don't think Dr. Dufresne is having a problem wearing a suit. I don't think my pastor, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, has a problem. He gets invited to the White House. I'm sure he's not going with his Hawaiian shirt, his ripped short jeans, and in flip-flops to go meet President Trump. And No, Dr. Rodney's not doing that. I'm sorry. Come on, hello, somebody. Talk to me, talk to me. Absolutely. It's my job. It's my job to help you grow spiritually. It's my job to say you take it up a notch. Come on, hello, somebody. Amen. Why do you think the president of the bank that we work for calls me on the phone and says, I want you personally? President of six bank, five branches. Huge influence calls me personally. The president of the bank, not just one branch, five or six of them. That's the top dog. They don't tell me, okay, you, you over there, yeah, tell her, call that guy. No, the president of the bank calls me. Why? There's just something about that guy. See, anointing. It's the standard. Why do I train my guys to the highest? Why is, why is Matt one of the Gracie survival tactics jujitsu instructors? Why? Because he's worthy to invest, and he loves God, and he loves us. And we train them the highest that we can train them in the industry that we're in. Why is it that when a customer walks in and sees me and Jesse, and first thing out of her mouth says, uh, you're very intimidating and you're very impressive. Have a good day. You're very intimidating and you look very impressive. Have a good day. Those are the words. Is our standard too high? No. Why is it? Because it's biblical standard. We want to have biblical standards. Biblical. If anything that we preach out of here, please, you have permission to come and talk to us. Ah, you, you know, there was something that you said I'm not really too sure about. Can you show me some scriptures? 
Absolutely. We'll show you. You you didn't complete your sentence on that, Pastor. Could you complete your sentence? I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. It's the most amazing thing. Our door is wide open. If you ever get offended, you ever get hurt, ever get disgruntled, please come talk to us. I mean, just come talk to us. We love you very much. And we are not impervious to mistakes. Hello. But just please come talk to us. Because the moment that nobody comes talk to us is the moment that you're really offended. And if you say that you're not offended, then you're more deceived than what you think you are. Come on, hello, somebody. Come talk to us. Come talk to us. Come talk to us. If we hurt you or we said something that could cause an offense or a hurt, then go, man, come talk to us. We are. <laughs> the door is always open. The door is open. Amen. Okay, so how do we know, how do we know that you're on the right track? Signs, wonders, and miracles. They follow the preaching of the word. So if we preach the word, then we expect signs, wonders, and miracles. We expect healings to take place and the Lord to confirm his word. Hello. Praise is a very important thing. It's, it's, it's survival today. Can I have just a little bit more time, please? Just a little bit more. Praying in tongues is the highest form of prayer. Praying in tongues. Let me, let me give you some, a couple of scriptures here on why we do some stuff. In the book of Psalms, 134, verse 2, it says this, I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So that is God's desire. So why do we lift our hands? Why do we lift our hands in the sanctuary? Because God desires for us to lift our hands in the sanctuary. So when we don't do it, then there's something going on in our personal spiritual life that's preventing us from doing it. Either we don't know to do it, or we're absolutely refusing to do it. That's the reason why. This is a universal language all over the world. You know what it means? Surrender. This right here. This is a universal language. I surrender. Even when I'm not doing right, even when I'm in my mess, even I still surrender. Listen, the Bible says you can go boldly before the throne of God. It doesn't mean if you're in right standing with him or not. You are in right standing because you're right, righteousness. Righteousness means right standing. It's better to go before the throne of God guilty so that you can get forgiven and cleansed than it is to not go. I would rather go to the throne of God feeling bad for my mistakes and my shortcomings than not. Even though I feel really bad. I would rather go to him anyway. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. That's what the Bible says. Godly sorrow. I'm sorry, Father. I fall so short in this. Please forgive me. Please don't ever take your anointing from me. Please don't ever take your presence for me. Father, I really, I'm weak in this area. And through my weakness, you're made strong. And I need your strength. Help me to overcome this weakness. Father, what is that? That's going to your daddy in heaven. And he's not up there slapping you or condemning you. You know what he's doing? He's looking up and he's seeing you walk down the road. That's what he's doing. He's looking up and says, oh, there's my son. There's my daughter. Here they come. They're coming home. Come on, kill the fatted calf. Give me the best robe. Go to my closet right now. Give me the best robe, the most expensive robe. Oh, by the way, kill that fatted calf. We're having Chateaubriand on tonight, baby. I'm going to tell you about all the fixings. Amen. There's nothing like 
an outback steak with sweet potato, Caesar salad, nothing like it. Prime rib. Mm-mm. Why do we do audible praise? Why do we sing? Oh, I'm just having a hard time, Pastor. I just don't know the songs. Well, make sure you come to church every Sunday morning and at least in a row, praise God, amen, so that you can learn the songs to sing. You know, just come Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. So you don't, you don't understand. Yes, I do. Yes, I do understand. I do understand. But I understand this. I'm going to rest on Saturday. Come on now. So I'm not burnt out by the work week. I'm not burnt out from going to church. I'm burned out during the work week so that when Sunday comes around, then I don't want to go to church because I'm too tired to go to church because I'm burned out serving in church. That is not true. Burned out during the week. I, I, discovered, I saw a news clip the other day. Burnout is now a medical condition. Who saw that? Did you see that? Burnout is now a medical condition. Alcoholism is now a medical condition. Smoking marijuana is now a medical condition. You still love me? I love you. Are you are you feeling are you feeling okay? I mean, everything good? I mean, okay. I hope you're you know. Hope you're not like oh my gosh, he's really stepping on my toes. Well, good, and I'm doing my job. Praise God, Amen. I mean, at least I didn't preach a sermon this morning. Unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, praise God, Amen. You'll have no lot within me, Amen. Because the whole congregation got up and walked out on Jesus. All seventy of them did that, right? And he turned to his staff and he said, "Hey, boys, are you going to leave too?" And Peter's like, "Lord, this is a hard saying. You're talking about cannibalism, bro. I mean, I'm telling you, like, what do you mean, drinking your blood and eating your flesh? It's kind of tough. Kind of tough." So I'm not talking about cannibalism here this morning. No, sometimes it's the little adjustments on the radio dial that actually brings in the frequency. It's the little adjustments. And because of the times we're living in, really, when the bus shows up, I'm getting on the first bus. When the train pulls into the station, I want to make sure that I'm not missing that gospel train. Because I don't, I'm a, listen, even if you got to run after the caboose and, gr- and jump on it, at least you're running after it. Can you say amen? amen? So we do these things in church so that it's pleasing to the Lord, so that it actually brings angels to work on your behalf. It actually brings the Holy Ghost to change your situation. It actually removes obstacles in which the devil wants to trip you up. Hello, somebody. Amen. Throw these things during the week, all these issues, your relatives, your friends, your bosses. I mean, <laughs> I mean, hold. Whoo! And everything, the onslaught that Christians are having and believers are having just with society itself. These things will give you the victory. They'll give you the victory. You're looking for victory? It'll keep sickness away from you. It'll keep poverty away from you. Amen. Why do we sing in tongues? That's the highest form of praise. But you have to be baptized in the Holy Ghost to be able to speak in other tongues. 
Singing in other tongues is the highest form of praise you can get. It's the highest form. Randan gondan dan van dan don den dan dan zon rimandeo seo. It's the highest form. You can do that in the car on the way to work. It doesn't have to even sound good. He said, make a joyful noise. It didn't say it had to sound good. You just make a joyful noise. Amen. Highest form of praise. Why do we do this type of worship? Why do we lift our hands? Why do we pray in tongues? Why do we jump? Why do we lift our hands? Why do we sing the songs we sing? In John 4, 23 and 24, and I'll finish with this, and it says this, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That word truth means reality or real. We worship God as if he were right here with us, sitting on the platform upon a throne. That's how, how would you worship him if God sat there on the throne? What would your response be? Would you not give him the highest praise? Would you not be kneeling down? Would you not be prostrating yourself on the ground? Would you not be singing? Would you not be praising? Would you not be? Let me tell you what's happened. Because this realm is more real to humanity and the church than the unseen realm. Than we don't do. But when you get the revelation... That the unseen realm is more real than this natural realm. And that there is a king in heaven and there is a God in heaven. Then you will worship him. And you will praise him. And you'll have the understanding, the revelation of who he is. How about this? Follow Pastor Marie and I as we follow Christ. If we're truly your pastors... If you see your pastor lift his hands, you go right ahead and lift your hands. If you see your pastor get on his knees, go right ahead and get on your knees. You see your pastor jump, then you ought to get in and jump. You see your pastor clap, then you, you, ought to, you ought to clap. Praise God. Amen. I mean, if we're really your pastor, if we're really your pastors, if we're really your pastors, if we're not your pastor, please go find a shepherd to be under. Really, go find a shepherd to be under. If we're really your pastors then follow us as we follow Christ. The moment we stop following the word, come on now, run. Run as far away as you can. Go find someone you can submit to. Go find someone that will teach you. Find someone. Come on, hello somebody. Amen. Because the Bible does say that God places in the body everyone as he chooses. Come on now. 
Hallelujah. Yeah. It's because we're getting serious about this. Because the time is short. The boat is coming. Come on, and we're going to have to get in it because rain is coming. Amen. The rapture's on the verge. Amen. Time is short. Amen. So let's run our race. Amen. Let's finish our course. And then whatever adjustments we need to make. He's not looking for perfection. He's looking for heart. There was only that's one perfect, and that's Jesus. Can you say amen? All right, come on. You've been so gracious. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a blessed week, and remember, the best is yet to come.